Okay, at this time in our worship, I'd like to uh, draw your attention to the first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew uh, chapter 9. And we're going to read verse 35 to uh, the end of the chapter. And this morning we're going to begin, it's not going to be an overly lengthy series, but we're going to be dealing with a series that uh, revolves around uh, a subject that a number uh, of you have brought up uh, to my attention the last few months. And as the uh, subject of evangelism, um, people are, are asking, okay, we understand uh, we have an evangelistic task as a church, but what is evangelism anyway? And why is it so important? And what are some of the challenges of that that we, that we and other churches face? What are the blessings of it? We're going to be considering that over the uh, next number of weeks. Now, I want to draw your attention to a, a passage that really centers on the core of Jesus's ministry, which was evangelism, which is primarily, although not exclusively, a verbal witness to the good news of the kingdom of God. That is the ruling presence and the saving power of, of Jesus. So let's draw attention to the ministry of Jesus. Uh, again, Matthew chapter 9, beginning at verse 35. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And that's the passage we're going to deal with this morning. What we're going to do is we're going to pay close attention to the wording and the phrases here as we focus on what is not an addendum or an attachment to what Jesus did when he came to this earth, but uh, very much was part of the central focus of his ministry. And that was well, evangelism, which included preaching and teaching a verbal witness, but also included the arm of evangelism, which was ministering to the needs of people that arose out of a heart of compassion. And we're going to look at these various uh, component parts of uh, the central ministry of Jesus and what should be the central ministry of the church and our uh, various churches and our church as well. Um, I think this is important for us to, to look at at this time uh, in the history of our church and the history of our nation. As you know, and I'm not going to belabor this point, but I've heard the conversations, you've heard the conversations, the conversations here, which are no doubt no different than the conversations that are happening in, in various churches, all revolving around COVID and protocols and politics and the Constitution and possible anarchy in our land. And then if you're in on the news, I assume that most of you have heard Ruth Bader Ginsburg of the Supreme Court is gone now, and you think things are ugly now. I just have a sense, and you know, I'm not here to, to play politics, but I, I just think, and I might be wrong, but I think most of you probably agree, if you think things are ugly now, they're going to really get ugly. Um, we, just, we just think, our minds are consumed with these things. In the midst of what we could call various derailments and distractions, we need to we need to start focusing on what are the central 
responsibilities and ministries of, of the church. Get back to basics. And one of the basics, again, in the ministry of Jesus and also what should be in the ministry here is not an addendum or an attachment issue, but it centers on the focus of what we're all about, and that is preaching. It's teaching. It's having a heart of compassion for the needy and ministering uh, to those needs. And that's, again, what we see here in this, uh, in this passage um, before us. So I want to I begin by asking this question. I'm not so sure what goes on in your mind when I bring up the word evangelism, but what oftentimes goes through your mind when you hear um, evangelism? Well, when you look at the Bible, what you see is an evangelism is primarily, though not exclusively, but primarily it revolves around a verbal witness, a speaking witness to the gospel of the kingdom, that is the good news of the kingdom, which, which really points to the reality of Jesus, the ruling presence, and the renewing power of Jesus in the world. Jesus is real. Jesus brings good news, and he intends that good news not only for us, but also for the world. So again, when, when we talk about evangelism, it's primarily speaking to people about Jesus and calling them in a loving manner, in a genuine manner, to very fundamentally, and this is what it means to be a Christian then, to repent in, of sin, to believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, to recognize our need to be reconciled to God and submit to the ruling power and leading of Jesus in all of life. Okay? That's a fundamental description of evangelism. And why do I give you that kind of definition of evangelism? It's because exactly what we see here in our passage. Take a look at it, if you would, verse 35. Let's deal with some of the wording here. We read that Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, so that, that tells us he did not minister in a corner somewhere. He was bold, okay? He went to cities and he went to villages. Notice what he does here. He teaches in their synagogues and he proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of his presence, his real presence, ruling power and saving presence in the world, okay? Now notice what he does. Evangelism consists of two things. Proclamation, that is preaching and also teaching. Those are two different words in the original language, and they are faithfully interpreted in our English standard versions as teaching and preaching, okay? These constitute the very center of evangelism. Now, a lot of times people will ask the question, what's the difference? I mean, if it's important that we understand it, preaching and in teaching is a part of evangelistic task, it's important that we understand the difference. So what really is the difference? How would you answer that question? What goes on in your mind? I think for a lot of people, when they think of the difference between preaching and teaching, they think, well, preaching kind of, I don't know, it, 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 it speaks primarily to the heart, where when you're in class and teaching, it's not always that your heart is engaged, like a catechism class or an adult class, but you say, yeah, I learned something new, okay? And then when we think of preaching, we think of something more formal, and we think of teaching, well, we think of kind of a smaller classroom setting, and it's a bit informal. It's usually the things that go on in our mind. But here's the real difference between preaching and teaching. And, and, and um, I'll give you an analogy that comes from a, a theologian that many of us are familiar with. His name is John Piper. He said, here's the difference between preaching and teaching. Imagine how 
you're living in a small town and you have a herald who comes to town. Now, Harold's not his name. He's just a herald. He's a guy who announces good news, okay? And he comes to your small village, and he makes this announcement. He says, the king has decreed that all slaves of the land have been set free. Essentially, it's a, an emancipation proclamation. It's a declaration of, again, freedom for slaves, okay? That's an announcement. He's preaching. He's proclaiming that. Now imagine you're part of the people in the city square and you're listening to this and you look around and, and you see people starting to discuss things and they're asking questions like, well, but what does that really mean? What does it mean that slaves have been set free? Does that mean like all slaves or just male slaves or male and female slaves? What about the kids? What about the masters of these slaves? Are they going to be compensated by the king in any way for losing their slaves, and how is this all going to happen, this emancipation, and when is it going to happen, and all these questions arise. So what the herald does, the one who first announces the good news, is he goes about explaining the good news. When you think of preaching, think of announcing. When you think of teaching, think of interaction, dialogue, explanation. Okay? And that's what Jesus does. So the first thing is mentioned, he goes in the synagogue, and opportunities are given for him to teach about the kingdom of God, and very likely there's a lot of discussion from the Jews, especially in the synagogue. What, what, what do you mean about the kingdom of God? What is the characteristic of the kingdom of God? What, what, your king? I mean, these kinds of things must have gone on. But Jesus goes out to cities and villages, and he also announces the good news of the kingdom. Well, listen, this is what we do here. I mean, this is one of the central tasks of this ministry, and we've always taken this very seriously, right? We take the preaching seriously, and we take the teaching seriously. So on a Sunday morning, you get to hear what I'm doing right now. This is not, although there's a teaching aspect to it, we're not dialoguing right now. It's preaching. I'm announcing good news, and I'm announcing something of the ministry of Jesus and what should be our ministry, okay? But there's also teaching that goes on, right? So we gather in classes, and a number of you are going to be teachers in the education year, and you're going to have kids, and what's, what's going to happen? You're just not going to announce things to the kids. I mean, whether you're homeschooling at home, or you go to a Christian school or a public school, or you go to the education classes, there's dialogue going on. There's teaching back and forth. Okay, you get that idea. Now, it's at the very center of the church's ministry, and by the way, this incurs formally, but also informally, right? Formally, you're not all called to be preachers. You're not ordained and set apart to be a preacher. All of you are not set to be teachers in this church or in a local school. But in an informal way, we're all to announce and we're all to explain the good news of the kingdom by, as one person once put it, chattering the gospel in all the places in which we work and we interact with people. It's all our, that's the calling that we all have. Okay. Now, moving on, however. The central aspect of evangelism is a verbal witness to the kingdom of God by means of announcing and explaining, but it doesn't stop there. Because there's also what we call the arm of evangelism, and that is, that's doing. Not just speaking, but doing. Doing in the sense of ministering to the needs of others. Why do I bring that out? It's because the text brings it out. Again, take a look. Verse 35. 
Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and, notice, healing every disease and every affliction. Jesus just didn't announce it, but what he did is he accompanied the verbal witness of the gospel of the kingdom with deeds of mercy as if to legitimize in some ways the hearing of the gospel. Because you can just call people to believe in Jesus, but what really strikes them is that when you accompany that with a heart of compassion and deeds of mercy to those in need, then, then you gain a hearing, right? You gain a hearing. Now, when you take a look at the passage, you see that Jesus preaches, he teaches, but also says he heals every disease and every affliction. The word for healing, is, is the word in the original language, therapeuon. Therapeuon. Now, if I ask you what English word might be reflected in that Greek word, you might say therapy. So Jesus announces, he explains the kingdom, but he also provides therapy for spirit, soul, body. It's important for us to understand because a lot of times when, when people on the outside or even in the church hear about evangelism, they kind of go, oh, what that is, is that's where Christians speak about Jesus to people and they tell them they need to repent and they need to believe in Jesus, they need to have forgiveness, they need to be reconciled to God, and they need to, to, to bow to the rule of Jesus in every part of their life. And it is that, but it's it's not just that, because if it's just that, then the emphasis is merely on the individual and the spiritual and the future, getting into heaven. All those things are true. But when you look at the ministry of Jesus, and when you really deal with the Bible seriously, sometimes your views are expanded. And Jesus expands our view here. He says, you know what? Evangelism not only deals with the spiritual state and the future, but it deals with the bodily, ministering to the physical needs of individuals. And it also has to do not just with the future, but the here and now. Now, why do I say it? We see that in the passage here, but if you have your uh, Bibles with you or you have your devices with you, I want to draw your attention back just to one other place in this sermon. And that's a few chapters back to uh, Matthew chapter uh, 4, 4 verse 23. And I want you to know something interesting here. These words are identical to the words that we read from Matthew chapter 9. And again, it gets at the very center of Jesus' ministry. All right, chapter 4 of Matthew, verse 23. And he, that is Jesus, went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Right? Identical words to, to Matthew 9. But it goes on to say this, verse 24, So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick. Boy, you think of Syria today and all the terrible things that are going on. Jesus was there. They brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Interesting, it says they followed him. 
Jesus is ministering to the physical needs of individuals, won their attention. I find that very interesting. So evangelism is speaking, it is announcing, it is explaining, it is ministering to the needs of people that we might gain the attention of people. And you also notice that if you go back to Matthew chapter 9, the healing ministry of Jesus preceded the proclaiming and the teaching of the kingdom of God. He heals blind individuals. He healed a mute man. He healed a paralytic, a girl who had died and and so forth. So, so here's the point. When you examine the ministry of Jesus, and as you try to understand your own ministry, you say, ah, one thing I learned from Jesus is that when Jesus ministered in this world, it was not a narrow ministry, but it was a comprehensive ministry that was designed to minister to the whole person. Head, heart, and also hand. Now, give us a little bit of a breather here. One of the most difficult things in theology and one of the most difficult things in the ministry of the church is to be balanced. Most times, churches run into trouble when they start become imbalanced, where they focus on head to the exclusion or minimizing or de-emphasis of the heart, or the heart to the de-emphasis of the mind, or the mind and heart to the de-emphasis of the hand. But that's not what we see in the ministry of Jesus. There was a man um, who wrote a book on discipleship. His name is Randy Pope. He uh, pastors um, a very vibrant church, uh, a Presbyterian church of America Church in Atlanta, Georgia. And he noted at one point um, in their, their church's history, because he's always assessing the church, and he said, he said this about, the, about his church at one point, or the church that he pastored. Um, they were struggling at one point. He said, our church had been on a long journey to actually integrate head, heart, and hand. He said, for years, we did a good job of leading people to feed on the word, right? Through preaching and teaching ministry. And we worked hard to have people worship God with everything in them. So we wanted to reach their hearts. But we realized that our commitment to mercy, that is through the hand, was underdeveloped. We weren't adequately reaching those in need of simple items such as food and clothing and shelter and advocacy and encouragement and the embrace of healthy people. So when he writes that, really in reality what he's saying is we, 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 we realized that there was an imbalance and we needed to get back to the balanced holistic ministry of Jesus, which we find here in this passage. Well, this is the perennial challenge of every church, every church, ours too, to remain balanced and holistic in our perspective. And we'll, we'll look at that more in the, in the weeks to come. But for now, as we move on, here's a question that we might ask ourselves, in this, is the, and that is this. If we want to aspire to holistic ministry that meets the whole person, head and heart and hand, if we aspire to that, how do we actually go about achieving that? And once again, the passage tells us. It be, and it's very simple. It begins here with the eye, and then moves to hear the heart. Take a look, if you would now, at verse 36. Okay, Jesus announces, he explains the kingdom, he does the kingdom as he meets the needs of people. And when he saw, there's the eye, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's a very important verse because you will never aspire to any meaningful ministry, whether you aspire to being an elder or a deacon or a preacher 
or a teacher in this church or someone who aspires to, to meet the needs of others, you'll, you'll never move in, in any one of those directions unless your heart is engaged. Unless you see need, okay, and your heart then is engaged. You know, when, when, when men are considering the ministry, you know, um, the, the thing that drives them, if you talk to guys in seminaries, how do you go, why do you want to enter into the ministry? You know, um, they're, they're saying, because when I, when, I, when I looked at the people of God in the church, and when I looked outside the church, I had just developed this burden of the Apostle Paul. Woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. We, want, we don't want men who will say, well, I'll do it because I, I feel that I'm duty-bound. I, I guess nobody else is doing it. You want men who are fed by compulsion, not by duty, but by delight and desire. That's what Jesus is talking about here. He, 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 saw, he saw the needs around him, and, and he had this burden. He had compassion. Now, there's a number of words for compassion in the Greek language. This is a very unusual word. It's the word splogsna, which really, it, it, it's, it's a particular type of compassion that, I don't know how else to put this, but it's rooted in the gut. It's in your very guts. It goes down to the deepest level of who you are as a human being. So it's, it's not a, an obligatory compassion. Well, I really should help. No, I mean, it's, it's driven by, by what you see and what you feel. And that was, that was uh, Jesus. And it, it was very different than the religious leaders of his day, right? Like you think of the Pharisees. You know, you're, you know anything about the Bible? You read about the Pharisees? They were cold. They were oppressive. Uh, they, were, they were harsh dealing with the people, Right? You, you, need to, you need to measure up to this. You need to measure up to that. They wanted the people to perform in a certain way according to the law of God. There wasn't compassion behind that. Jesus was, Jesus was compassionate. And that, that too is always something that is the, the call of, of every church. So, so when you look around, and that, that's something that pastors have to remind themselves and elders and deacons, but all of us, when we look around in terms of whether it be before church or after church or during the week, do you, how do you look at people? How do you look at people? And if, if you, do you ever get this when you look at people and, and you see whatever, they're, they're just kind of messed up and it, a lot of times a natural reaction is, man, why don't, they, why don't they get their stuff straight? I mean, why don't, why don't, they, why don't they get it, you know? But when Jesus looked at the individuals, he, he saw needs. And he asked himself the question, well, maybe, I can't say this, but probably he would look at people and say, there they are. Where do they need to go? Where do they need, who do they need to be? How can the kingdom of God be ministered to them? Okay? So, so here's what I want to bring out at this point. When we step back for just a moment and say, what, what does true evangelism look like in the church? It looks like this. It looks like announcing the good news. It looks like explaining the good news. It, it looks like the ability to actually take time to look at what's around us and observe, to see needs, to develop compassion to address those needs, and then putting our best foot forward in order to address those needs. Perhaps stumbling along the way as we do it, but nonetheless seeking to do it.
Okay? And then I want to add one final thing before we draw to a close. And it's one of the things that Jesus brings out here. And it's something that sometimes uh, we lose sight of in the church's evangelistic task. It's something very simple. Something that expresses our dependence upon God for fruit. It's prayer. It's prayer. We end with verse 37, 38. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So for all of us, here's a little bit of simplicity. For the sake of the children, too, Jesus paints people outside the kingdom of God like wheat or barley or grapes that need to be harvested. And Jesus looks all around him and he observes and he goes, oh, there are so many who are outside the kingdom of God and they need to be harvested. That is, they need to be brought into the kingdom of God. And how do we do that? First and foremost, by praying, by, by announcing and explaining and seeing needs and developing compassion and everything. But he said, fundamentally, what we need to do is pray for the, the blessing of the Lord as we seek to gather in that harvest. And I want you to notice, according to this passage, that, that Jesus says, you need to pray, not just pray, but pray earnestly. Pray earnestly that, and it's very interesting, he says that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into his harvest. You and I are not kings or lords of the harvest. We're just humble instruments. We sometimes stumble along the way. It's the Lord who brings in the harvest. And sometimes he will bring in the harvest through the most paltry of efforts. And that's the kind of God that, that he is. And so that has to be our prayer. Um, our prayer has to be um, that the, the Lord would put, put in us somewhat the character of the prophet Isaiah, Remember, he said, here I am, Lord, send me, send me. And we have to pray that God would raise up other Christians and other churches to do the same thing because it's the central aspect of the church's ministry. So in a time of distraction, when it's easy to, to push um, the calling of Jesus in this passage, kind of to the periphery, now is the time as we see opportunities around us to focus back in on what our central task is, and that is to promote and explain and minister the kingdom of God among each other and also to the people who the Lord brings to us and in the places where we work and we interact with individuals. A reminder for us all, okay? Now, let's pray and then let's sing together. Heavenly Father, um, your word is not complex to the point, Lord, where we always are scratching our heads. What, what are you getting? I don't, I don't understand this. Father, you're very clear. And you, Lord, call us to, first of all, in and of ourselves, repent and believe and follow Jesus. But Lord, you call us also then to minister to others about the kingdom of God. It was central to your ministry, O oh Lord. And we pray that it would be more and more a central aspect of our ministry here as well. God, grant a blessing to us in that regard, especially during these times in which we are living. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.